We're gonna just pretend for a second that I didn't get a college education. You're going to make it there, which is why you don't have to be afraid. You know I was having a bad day because I was going to McDonald's. That's how low I sank. Pressure. God just paid for my McDouble. Are you gonna quiz me? Please don't quiz me. Yes. Maybe it was like a miracle prank. They're never gonna get there. What is Vienna? There are no new words under the sun. There are no new notes I have left to hum. There are no new rhymes yet to be sung. There are no new chords that strings haven't strummed. Hey everyone, you're listening to Unreliable Narrators, a podcast where we discuss media, literature, and the arts, and how they relate to Christ, the self, and the world. I'm Sophie Klomperens. And I'm Raymond Docapel. And today we'll be discussing Billy Joel's hit single song it's from an album i think uh vienna are you a fan of billy joel i am a fan of billy joel i do i do like his music uh i think the first billy joel song that i heard was piano man and i did not hear it from billy joel i heard it on american idol there was a an american idol contestant who i really liked and he sang piano man and i thought that was one of the best songs i'd ever heard and then i looked it up and it was a billy joel song yeah so there was a cert, There was a guy at college who would play that every year at the, like the dorm, and it was like this huge thing. Like he would attach the harmonica to himself, and then you play the piano, and it, like people would just lose their their minds. And then it's a great song. And then when the part where he goes up really high, then he's like, and he goes, and the piano sounds like a carnival. <laughs> it was it was wild, you know. And he had this, like, really long shock of hair, so he kind of looked like John Lennon. And so... I was not prepared for that. But today we're not talking about Piano Man. Today we're talking about a song called Vienna. I've never heard of it before. I, I hadn't heard the song before. Really? Yeah. Well, it's uh, a little fun fact about that song is that Billy Joel um, often does a bit during concerts where he lets the audience choose among two different songs which one they want to hear, and he usually offers Vienna and then some other song, and Vienna usually wins, often beating out uh, more well-known hits. People really, really like this song. It really resonates with them. It's interesting, especially since when I think of Billy Joel, I usually just think of the Piano Man. I don't... Right. I don't even know know this was, like, a big thing. Right, right. Like, the songs that I know, uh, that I knew before this by Billy Joel were, like, Piano Man and and So It Goes. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know this was a thing. So do you have, like, context for this song or about Billy Joel at all? Yes, for sure. Uh, Billy Joel, I don't really think, needs, needs a lot of introduction. Um, but the song itself, I think, is interesting because it's... I mean, he obviously has lots of different songs and different sorts of styles, this song sounds very different from Piano Man, which sounds very different from And So It Goes, which sounds very different from Only the Good Die Young, etc. Um, he has, obviously, his voice and his tone is similar, but then he has lots of different musical genres that he plays with. Um, and this song is interesting because the person he's addressing isn't a lover. It's not a love song. Um, and it seems like the relationship is an older mentor sort of person to a younger person that they are mentoring. And this is actually a quote from Billy Joel about the song, uh, him sort of interpreting it for people. He said, It, meaning the song, was an observation that you have your whole life to live. A lot of people in their 20s think they have to get it all together by their 30s, and they kill themselves trying to get the golden ring. You have an entire life to live. 
the lyrics slow down you crazy child in other words you have a whole life we tend to put older people away and it's all about young people well wait a minute why do i have this whole lifespan what's the point of it some people will get there sooner and some people will get there later slow down you're going to be fine no matter what you do be good at it and whenever you get there you get there so that's billy joel about the song um, we're going to talk a little bit later about what it means to get there when we're talking about life, because that's an interesting question of what that even means. Uh, but first of all, another interesting thing about this song is that, uh, Billy Joel's parents divorced when he was young and his father actually moved back to his original hometown, which was Vienna. So Vienna is where his father went when he left, uh, Billy Joel and his mother, and he later in life said, I think in 2010, he was talking to Howard Stern on his show. And Billy Joel said that he didn't realize what he was doing when he wrote the song. He didn't know what it was really about, but that he was actually processing his feelings about his father moving to Vienna. So we'll talk a little bit about that later, too, because I think that's a little bit less clear than the rest of the themes of the song. Uh, but to look at the lyrics just a little bit and see what's the pretty straightforward interpretation of the song because i do think that's interesting about this song is that the interpretation is pretty straightforward um he's not super cryptic in the things that he says most lines have a pretty clear interpretation wait so you're saying that he's actually addressing his father no that he has said that he's he in writing the song was processing his feelings about his father um mm -hmm. and i'm not totally sure how and we'll talk about that in again in a second uh but first of all, to break down the song, if you need us to break down the song because you haven't listened to the song, go, it's three minutes long, you have three minutes in your life, just go listen to it. But also, to go through some of the lyrics, uh, the singer is addressing someone who, he uses a lot of adjectives to describe them. Um, the beginning of the song, he says, slow down, you crazy child, you're so ambitious for a juvenile, but then if you're so smart, tell me why are you still so afraid? So he describes this person uh, as a crazy child, ambitious, smart, and afraid, which is a pretty good description of this person. So it's this person who has lots of ambition, they're trying to get somewhere, and they're frustrated that it's taking so long. Um, and so he's saying, hey, it's okay, you can slow down, you don't need to do everything so quickly, you're going to get there, Vienna is waiting for you, Vienna being... The, the destination you're trying so desperately to reach. Um, but then he also has some lines throughout the song uh, that are seem like they're this push for the person he's addressing to have goals as well. He says, don't you know that only fools are satisfied? And he says, don't you know that when the truth is told, you can get what you want or you can just get old? Which are pretty inspiring lines. They're saying there is something that you should aim for. You should go after something, but also simultaneously slow down and stop worrying about getting there so fast. Well, I mean, is he saying that also um, you shouldn't worry about getting there so fast because when you get there, you don't get there. You still don't get there. Um, Maybe. Because Maybe. even like, you know, only only fools are satisfied. And so you're never going to be satisfied even when you get there. So you might as well be chill out now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's true. Which doesn't mean be satisfied. It just means don't. You shouldn't rush it because you shouldn't expect... Because the reason why you're rushing it is because you're expecting to be satisfied. Right, right. Which you're not going to be. Well, I want to talk about 
a little bit later I want to talk about the relationship between slowing down and letting go of fear and worry and then getting to Vienna and what Vienna even is. Uh, before we get there, and then at the end of all of that, I want to talk about, see if we can maybe come up with an answer to the question what this song has to do with his father, because that is sort of its own question kind of floating out in the ether somewhere. Um, but first of all, I think an important theme to talk about in the song is this idea of choosing not to worry or choosing not to be anxious. Uh, and it reminds me a little bit of David Foster Wallace. We just talked about um, whatever it's called. The, the commencement address. This is this water. Is, this is water, yeah. And in that speech, he talks a lot about uh, making intentional choices about the way that you see the world, about the way that you think, and that... Um, being a free human being means being free to choose how you think and free to be aware. Um, do you see any connections there? Does that um, seem accurate to do that to, to, to you to make that connection between Wallace's philosophy and then the philosophy of the song? Or am I crazy? I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess in the sense that he's the the lot of the question is kind of like a series of rhetorical questions. Yeah. Like, and again, and also that's, yeah, that's the, um, it's the use of the word can when the truth mm -hmm. gets told, you can get what you want or you can get, just get old, implies that he's presenting those things as options, mm -hmm. which is an interesting thing to present as an option because he's presenting getting old as an option. Right. As opposed to the other option, which is getting what get you what want. Get what you want. Which I guess is not to get old. Yeah. Question mark. Um, yeah. So he says he he tells the crazy child, you know, whoever he's addressing, he says to slow down and he says you're doing fine. But when he says to slow down, the, the only real actions that he asks this person to do, he says, um, take the phone off the hook and disappear for a while. Because Which means, like, get off the equivalent of getting off the grid. Yeah. And this is yeah. being written at what time? I Was it, like, the 80s? Or... Yeah, so I'm like, I think it was. Like, it's an 80s song? 80s song. Something like that. But, yeah, it's now it would be, like, delete your Facebook. <laughs> Log off. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing, basically. Get rid of some of your social media apps for a few days. Um, but other than that, his requests or his imperatives in the song are... It's, it's like, stop and, stop, stop and smell the flowers. Yeah. It's basically the message. Yeah, he says, think in a different way than you're thinking right now. Um, and which basically, I think, can be summarized by, he's saying, don't worry, don't be afraid. Which is why I think it's important in the beginning, he says, um, if you're so smart, tell me why are you still so afraid. So in some ways, this song is an antidote to fear. And the antidote to fear, he says, is just... Don't worry. Uh, which makes me think of um, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 6, when Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And he talks about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, and he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um... I think there's some parallels there because he says, seek first the kingdom of God or 
you know, slow down <laughs> uh, and enjoy what you're doing, enjoy the world around you, and Vienna waits for you. So and you like get the, Vienna too. And it's almost even more important than the fact that um, Vienna is a place that you're not at yet. Because once right. it becomes a place that you're at, then it's just like any other city. It's just a city. Right. Um, but that happens a lot in a lot of pop songs is the praise of a particular city. But it's usually not the praise of a city while you're in the city. Unless it's like, you know, a pop song where it's like, I'm, it's so great to be in, you know, Los Angeles right now or whatever. Which is not really a very, like, and it's, it's not really a particularly moving song. You right. know, with those party songs where it's where you're in the city. Yep. Usually, a song about a city is a city is, is, is you're you're singing about it because it, it, you're not there. Right. And you want to be there. And usually, it's the idea that's in your head about what's in there. And right. I guess you can be cynical about that. Yeah. And and say, well, it's like yeah, every time you you just want things to be. You're 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 just idolizing the idea of the city that's in your head. But the fact that you're always constructing an idea of a city in your head, that mm -hmm. there's always something that sparkles, um, there's always some allusion to a city. Um, I think that that's a deeply human desire, and there's a reason why in the Gospels, you know, there's the a, an allusion to, you know, the city of God. Well, I guess that's Augustine. I don't know if that's actually in the scriptures, there's what a it's called a city. City or, on a hill. City on a hill. Mm -hmm. A celestial city, Right is that God is actually using that kind of rhetoric, that desire, like, as kind of putting a picture in your mind. And so, you know, you can write a song about the beauty of the sparkling lights of New York City or the right. sparkling light, lights of Los Angeles and the City of Angels or something, or Vienna. And I guess in this case, this subject is Vienna. But Vienna is a city that isn't moving, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not the place because everything else is moving. It's the thing that's waiting. It's standing yes. still. Yep. And everything is trying to get there. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea of the ideal. Even And so in, in some sense, it has deeper meaning than just being about Vienna when it's about Vienna. Right. When you're outside of Vienna. Yeah. So... Actually, that, that leads me to another question. Which it's, also, is... it's also interesting that he chose Vienna because Vienna is a made man-made city. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a it's a floating. I mean, it's not floating. It is floating. It is. It's in the water. You know, it's a very unique city for that reason. Is that Vienna or is that Venice? Oh yeah, I'm completely. I'm just completely wrong. Like a hundred percent. Uh. All of my geography. That's okay. <laughs> We're all wrong sometimes. Um, it's We're Austria's most populous city with about 2 million inhabitants. Uh, nearly one-third of the country's population lives in Vienna. Okay. And it's the largest of all cities on the Danube River. Okay. We're going to just pretend for a second that I didn't get a college education. <laughs> uh, no, we're all good. Um, it is... Okay, so Vienna um, is known as the city of music because of its musical legacy. Uh, we're going to take a break and talk about Vienna because, because that came up. Um, Beethoven and Mozart came from Vienna. Um, it's also sometimes called the City of Dreams uh, because it is where Sigmund Freud was from. Uh, and he dealt with dreams a lot, so sometimes it's called the, the City of Dreams. Um, so both of those things I think are interesting in terms of why Billy Joel picks Vienna specifically 
to be the place that you're wanting to head towards. Um, but on that note, one thing I want to talk about is there are a lot of different tropes, like you were talking about when we're thinking about how we deal with cities and how cities are portrayed in media or in art. Um, because there are a couple different examples I can think of. One example is in the Broadway musical Newsies, which I guess first was a Disney movie and then it was a Broadway musical. Are you familiar with that, with Newsies at all? Yeah. Okay. Um, the protagonist, Jack Kelly, is, he is in New York, he's from New York, he's never left New York City, and he's this newsboy, complete city kid, but all that he wants is he wants to go to Santa Fe. And Santa Fe, to him, is like, that's the country, that's the, uh, it's fresh air and open space and everyone's friendly and everyone loves you and it's paradise. But the irony, the reason that's funny and the reason they pick Santa Fe, well, funny, I guess, in a sad way, is that Santa Fe isn't everything he's saying it is, right? It's not paradise, um... It's not just wide open space and clear skies and fresh air and everything that he thinks it is. Um, so when he says, he, when he sings about Santa Fe, he's trying to get to Santa Fe, it's ironic because we know what Santa Fe really is, but Jack Kelly doesn't know. Um, and so that's sometimes the way that cities are portrayed. Um, or sometimes you'll have something like, I don't know if you ever would have heard of this movie. Have you heard of the movie Waiting for Guffman? Mm, no. Uh, it's about a really tiny small town in, I think, Missouri or something. And um, they put on this really crappy musical performance that one of their town's members who used to apparently work on Broadway, he writes it, and so they put on this performance. And they are so convinced that they are amazing and that they're going to get to Broadway. And so they invite this, like, Broadway agent guy to come out and see it, and they think he's coming. His name is Guffman, which is why he's waiting for Guffman, which is a play on Waiting for Godot. And the whole movie, they're like, we're going to Broadway. We're going to get to Broadway because this Guffman guy is going to come watch us and be so amazed that he's going to take us to Broadway. And the irony there is that they're never going to get there. They're never going to make it to Broadway. They're not going to New York. We know that, but they don't know that, and they're so convinced. So how are you going to tie this into Vienna Waits for you? Yes, I'm getting there. So, um, in media, it's really often true that when someone really loves a city or they really want to make it to a city or they're talking about a city, there's something ironic about it, right? Either we know they're never going to make it there and that's why it's sad, or the city isn't all that it's cracked up to be, which is why it's sad. <laughs> but it's sad in some way or in some reason. So here's my question for you. Is Billy Joel playing into that irony? Is he, is Vienna ironic in some way? Are we supposed to view it like Santa Fe or like Broadway and Waiting for Guffman? Or is he being sincere when he talks about Vienna? Is that a real place that is actually desirable to reach? Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it may be what you were saying if, again if Vienna was the place that you were trying to get to. But in some sense, he's actually... He almost personifies Vienna. He he anthropomorphizes Vienna when he says that Vienna waits. It's like, actually, Vienna is doing the... the is actually doing the action here in this yeah. sentence. It's not, when will you realize you will get to Vienna one day? 
which may be the interpretation you're saying. Right. But rather, you're saying Vienna waits for you. I mean, yeah. I don't know what that what that's about. But it's almost like the whole point of the song isn't about getting to Vienna. Right. The point of the song is that at the end of the day, Vienna's still going to be there, so chill out. Right. Right. Well... It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the fact that he picks Vienna is important because there are lots of cities that seem like more typical cities that he could have talked about um, that would have had different interpretation meanings. So if you say... Paris waits for you. That means love waits for you, right? Paris waits for you. <laughs> and if you if he said New York waits for you, ignore the fact that it doesn't like, fit the rhythm. Like opportunity, I guess. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like success or or um, being famous yeah. waits for you. Um, if he had said Las Vegas waits for you, I guess that means money, like yeah, uh, fortune, uh, wealth. Um, so like, there are other. London waits for you. I don't really know what that would mean. It would have a different, you know, different symbolic meaning. Um, Vienna, though, doesn't immediately bring to my mind an association like those other cities do, and he intentionally doesn't pick those other cities. Vienna already makes me think of something that's sort of timeless mm -hmm. and not, not changing along with... Uh, like, contemporary technology or societal changes or things like that. Vienna sort of seems like a city that's kind of frozen in time. Even, actually, you saying earlier, like, not quite immediately placing, like, where it is or what it is. That's how I felt, too. Like, I had to Google to even remember that it was in Austria. Um, meaning that we, we know the name, we know that's a city... But don't immediately think, oh, yes, that means success or that means opportunities or that means money. It's the place money. to go. It's just the place to go. <laughs> um, well, and, I know what I'm saying is that it's not it's not necessarily the, the place, the place to go in the same mm. way that New York or Paris would be the place to go. Yeah. Well, it makes us feel like that's a place to rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that's the, the culmination that that's the final, the final destination of all our journeys. Right. And well, and so this kind of kind of goes into. I mean, the idea of rest. This in this in this because this song is about desire. Yeah. Um, you know, this kind of makes me think of Aristotle and what the way he talked about gravity. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the Newtonian way of looking at the world is all objects in motion will stay in motion at rest until acted upon by an outside force. But Aristotle had a totally different way of using, using, thinking the way objects work. Mm -hmm. He says, objects have desires, and their desire is to get to a resting place. Hmm. Right? So, the resting place of the clouds is in the sky, and the resting place of, um, of, of rain is, is in, on the ground, in the ocean. Yeah. And they want to be there. Yeah. And so, the natural state of objects is at rest, not in motion. And regardless of whether we talk about whether that's actually true, like, scientifically, yeah. it's actually more true psychologically. I mean, because he because that was before you actually developed the scientific method. You just thought it through by logic. So that's actually a clear indication of the way people thought, the way people naturally think, 
is the way we actually want to be. Our natural state of mind is to be at rest. Right. And so Vienna as a place of rest, a thing that is not moving, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe is part of the point of why he chose Vienna. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, while we're talking about Aristotle, the whole idea that people have a... that everything has a telos, yeah. right? That there's an end or a purpose for everything. And there's been lots of discussion among philosophers about what the telos of man actually is. Like, what's the point? Uh, but I think Vienna really is standing in for a telos or a purpose. Um, and I think it's worth noting... I think I talked about this on a recent episode, um, but Alistair McIntyre, who wrote After Virtue and a lot of works about uh, narrative or about story and the relationship of story to our ethics and the way that we view the world and virtue and all that. He says that um, the telos or the purpose of people is what gives them is what gives life a narrative meaning because otherwise everything is just disconnected events. Mm -hmm. So like to recap, I think I talked about this before, but just as a review, if you, are you going to quiz me? Please don't quiz me. Yes. Uh, I'm a teacher. I have to do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wasn't paying attention. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) Okay. Well pay attention now. (laughs) If you get up, uh, one day, And you get through your day, and then at the end of the day, you know, you call your dad, and you're telling your dad about your day. And you say, um, oh, well, so first I got up, I made breakfast, um, it was bacon and eggs, um, I went to the gym, then I went to work, I worked for eight hours, I went to the grocery store, um, I was frustrated at the grocery store. (laughs) I blinked 12 times. Yep. And then I went home, and now I'm going to go to bed. That isn't really a story. It's a chronicle of events um, that don't have any relation to each other. Okay, now I remember. Yeah. So, but then if you tell your your tell about your day, but you have some sort of purpose in mind, um, you're saying all day I really wanted to go home and uh, eat the pad thai that I had in the fridge, but there were all these obstacles. First, there was all this traffic, and then I had all these problems at work, and so I had to stay late, and then I had to go to the supermarket because I needed to get a fork so I could eat my pad thai, whatever. There are all these obstacles, and then suddenly the events of your day become a story. They become a cohesive narrative because you had a purpose, because you were trying to do something The hero's the whole journey time. to pad thai. There was a hero's journey to pad thai. Um, and that... Alistair McIntyre says that's true on a macro level. That's true for your whole life. If your life has a telos, your life has a purpose or somewhere that you're going, that's the only thing that gives your life narrative meaning. And if you don't have that, every event in your life is just a disconnected chronicle of events. Um, It's not a story. And you need to think about your own life as a story. Right. Okay. So here's a question for you. Because something that Billy Joel seems to be saying is that it's a strange paradox that you know, you have somewhere to be and you should try to get there, but also you're never really going to get there and maybe you should just be okay where you are right now at the same time, yep. which is the sort of strange paradox we also see in the Bible of like you have a telos, but also don't worry about your life at the same right. time. Yeah. So how do we reconcile this paradox? Because in some sense, it almost seems like it's impossible, although it might be good advice if we could do it, but mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it's like, like the Pad Thai story. 
It's like the whole point of that story is that you were not happy all day until you got there. Right. Because if you are, that's the thing about being at rest. It's like if you are at rest, then you don't want to go anywhere. Right. right? Um, so, but to set a goal for yourself is to say that where I am is mm-hmm. not where I want to be. And mm-hmm. where, if I am not where I want to be, of course, I'm not going to be happy. I've set a goal. I want to be at point B and not point A. And I'm not at point A. I'm not at point B. And also, I have to go through point C and D to get to point B or whatever. I have to go through all these obstacles. I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be unsatisfied. And so... And a lot of, like, successful CEOs just don't understand this whole stop and smell the flowers thing. Because, like, yep. why would you do that? Very, like, successful-oriented people. This don't is, like, you know that only fools are satisfied? Right, right. It's, like, it, it's, parad- it's like all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. how are you supposed to do this? Yeah. Well, uh, I think you're putting your finger on, actually, one thing that's the the main thing that the church tries to teach is how to have a goal and to know that you're going somewhere that's not where you are and also to be content, to be satisfied with what you're doing. Um, And a really tangible example that I can give is in the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, the liturgy that you go to on Sunday morning, so basically just a church service, a huge part of the point of that church service is to spend the whole time in prayer because the whole thing is a prayer, except for there's like a little sermon in the middle. Um, But other than that, everything's a prayer and you're spending the whole time praying. And if you're not practiced, if you hadn't, if you haven't spent lots of time praying like that for long periods of time, um, especially prayers that you've said before. So you say really the same prayers every single Sunday. Um, then you can really easily slip out of your meditative state, so your prayerful state. Um, The whole time, you have to remind yourself every single time that your mind slips and you start thinking about something else, you bring yourself back to focusing on the prayers that you're saying and the, the liturgy of the church. But there's a weird paradox there because the whole point is to be in a meditative state where you're really just resting in God and in the words of God. But if you're stressed about resting in the words of God, then suddenly you're not resting anymore. And then you're not thinking about praying. You're thinking about trying really hard to, to not be concerned about what you're doing. You're just trying to think about God, but then you keep thinking about thinking about God. And so the whole, the whole point of being a Christian, that's really what being a Christian is, right? Is that you're, you're trying to rest in God, but that you're trying to rest in God which means that it's difficult to rest. So it, it also makes sense why you would come up with a religion like Buddhism, because the whole point of religion, of the Buddhism, is to get rid of desire. Mm-hmm. Desire is bad because what you want to be is at rest. Yeah. Um. So, but you can never be at rest. So just like get rid of all your desires, and then you get into a state of mind of, of nirvana. What that actually does is that like it removes the paradox out of the human condition. Right. And it makes it into something that you can actually understand. Whereas being something wacky like Christianity, where you're going to feel foolish because you are believing two things that just seem to be opposite to one another at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Billy Joel's solution in some ways, I think, is that he says, Vienna is waiting for you. So you go, but you go slowly. (laughs) And so... uh, 
there's a Latin phrase, festina lente, which is hurry slowly, um, which also is a paradox, and it's funny because it's a paradox, but also this seems to be what Billy Joel is telling us to do. Um, and we're able to do that only because Vienna is waiting for us. Yeah. That we have a place in Vienna that's already prepared for us, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. Um, and that's why we can be relaxed about the journey because we're not concerned that we won't make it there. Billy Joel has certainty that you're going to make it there, which is why you don't have to be afraid. And in some ways, like I said, the whole song is telling you how not to be afraid. Yeah. Or as Mum the Mumford and Sons, I will love with urgency or not with haste. A love with urgency but with not but not with haste. Yes. Yeah. You know, this made me think of a of a story. It's something that actually happened the other day. Um, I was, I was delivering, I was I was taking stuff back to my my church, but it was like at nine p.m. So the church was closed. So I was like, I'm just gonna go get McDonald's. And I was having a terrible day. I was a really, really bad day, and uh, and uh, you know I was having a bad day because I was going to McDonald's. Like that's how. <laughs> That's how low I sank. Like I wasn't. It wasn't even Wendy's. It wasn't like IKEA. It was McDonald's, which we all know is the bottom of the barrel um, in terms of fast food. And I was sitting there in the drive-through, and I was like, "Okay, okay, God, I, I'm sorry. I am wrong, but also, I have a problem. And uh, you hear me out here. I have a question." And I'm just, well, I'm sitting through the drive-thru. All right, so you say I'm not supposed to worry about my life. And yet, continually in the scriptures, you are insisting that suffering is part of life. And the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. And so, how am I not supposed to worry about my life if you give me no assurance that things are going to be okay. In fact, you say that it's actually a noble thing, the fact that you are going to suffer, that this is like, you may, your, your life may even get worse because of following me, because you're taking up your cross and following me. And yet, like, he clothes you, he, your heavenly father cares for you, and is like, how am I supposed to square these? these yeah. like, how am I really not supposed to worry about my life? And this is what I was saying. While I was pulling up to the drive-through, and I and I pull up, and the guy at the drive-through says, "That'll be a dollar twenty-nine." And I look, and I'm like, "What?" And he said, "The woman in front paid for you." And I was like, like just stared at him, dead, like, like you said, shocked expression. God just paid for my McDouble. Well, I didn't. I was like, "What? What's going on?" And and he's like, seeing that I was confused, he's like, "Oh yeah, she she had eight dollars and eighty-eight cents of change, and she said to put it." on the person behind you. And so I I don't know if that was a miracle, but maybe it was like a miracle prank, I think. <laughs> I do that's think a great that, phrase. I do think that God pulls miracle pranks sometimes. I think that's probably true. And so yes, I was sitting in the parking lot crying while eating my chicken sandwich <laughs> at the same time. And it was pretty pathetic. Um but like, I don't, I mean, like, that's even, that's not even, that's not even, like, a grand scheme thing of, like, you know, like, this is something I really needed. I was just going through a drive-thru. So maybe it was, like, this is a way of saying this is something that is actually true on a larger scale. Right. Like, it might be, like, the message there. Yeah. That, 
you know, when you actually do need something, then you shouldn't worry about your life. And there is, and so you find God in unexpected places like McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, so that brings us, I think, to the question of anxiety or of fear and then the relationship of fear to pursuing goals that are important. Because throughout the song, we've talked about before the fact that Billy Joel tells us to slow down. He says, you know, stop and smell the roses. It's all okay. Delete your Instagram app. All those things. But follow us on Instagram at Unreliable Narrators But also follow us on Instagram (laughs) at Unreliable Narrators Podcast. (laughs) Don't delete your Instagram app. Just for that. You can follow us. I was joking. Yep. Uh, but he also, so he tells us to slow down and then he also says only fools are satisfied. So is he contradicting himself? And I think it's interesting to think about that in the context of the question is fear an obstruction to sanctification? Uh, in other words, can we be afraid and I don't think that's really what, can we not be brave? Can we lack courage and simultaneously grow and get better. And I would submit that Billy Joel is telling us that we can't. He's saying you have to let go of the fear to make it to Vienna at all. Um, But is he right about that? Is it true that we have to let go of fear in order to achieve what we want to achieve? Is it it, uh, self-sabotage to be so afraid that you're not going to achieve the goals that you want to achieve because that fear is going to keep you from achieving those goals. I I mean, I think it's been such a, a cliche to say the only thing to fear is fear itself, mm-hmm. which I forget which president said that. Uh, which one was it? I'll Google it. Keep talking. Uh, anyway, but I mean, like, there is a kind of like lot at the Instagram level quote of like, just conquer your fears, go over your fears. Fears is bad. You get over your fear, like fear is the enemy. FDR. FDR, yes. Um, yes. So, George Washington said that. Um, the song <laughs> is about Venice. So. <laughs> <clears throat> We're factually correct. Every um, day. All the time. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think... But I don't think that that idea of just... Of, of eliminating fear... I don't think that's a Christian idea either. But again, it's like that's what we want to do because that eliminates the contradiction that we have to live. Yeah. It's another way of flattening it out and looking at the world in a one-dimensional way. That the way to get to where you want to be is to get rid of fear. Right. Well, isn't that... It's to not be afraid at all. Right. Isn't that the whole... Christian thing. I mean, that the angel shows up and is terrifying and says, don't be afraid. Yeah. And that's the the whole concept of something that is inherently terrifying appearing to you and then telling you not to be terrified, I think is sort of what this song is dealing with. The fact that life is scary and you can't undo the fact that it's scary you can't just say, no, it's not scary at all, because that's not true. And he's not trying to tell us that that's not true. Of course the angel is frightening. But 
you can choose somehow not to be afraid of the angel at the same time as you listen to what the angel says and then believe it. And all that is this paradox that's all wrapped up together that clearly is possible because the saints do it, I guess. <laughs> because People Jesus do it. says to do it. But it seems impossible because it seems impossible to let go of fear. Uh, the other question I have related to that is... Um, he says, uh, only fools are satisfied. We've talked about that line a couple of times. Um, only fools are satisfied with what? Is he, is he saying that we are fools because we are too easily satisfied? And if that's true, what are we satisfied with? Because the person he's talking to seems like he's pretty ambitious, right? He says you're so ambitious for a juvenile. So why does he critique... Why does he give him the warning of only fools are satisfied if he's ambitious? Because isn't ambition and then satisfaction, aren't those two diametrically opposed things? Like, why does he say that at all? Well, actually, but it, is it that he's kind of like almost criticizing the fact that he's ambitious? I mean, isn't that the whole point of the song? Like, maybe you should be less ambitious? Yeah, but then he says, don't you know that only fools are satisfied? As if he's talking to someone who is too easily satisfied. Like... Don't be a fool. Don't be so easily satisfied. But he also says you're ambitious. And if being ambitious means you're not satisfied, why does he also warn him against satisfaction? Well, no, this goes back to exactly what I was saying at the beginning, is that, like, the reason why he is ambitious is because he has the expectation to be satisfied. Right. Right, because he's got... I mean, like, that's like the, 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 the lust, the fire that he has after getting this goal is because he's telling himself the narrative that if I have this one thing, that's why I'm so focused on it. Right. right? When I realize, if I realize that that's only a fool would be satisfied with that. And once I get there, I have to keep on going. Right. Is is what he's, I mean, is what he's trying, he's trying to be cured of that, yeah. of that illusion. Yeah. Um, which actually brings us around to, I think, the most important question, which we talked about this a little bit in the abstract earlier, but uh, I want to talk about what this means in a practical sense. Um, what is Vienna? Because we talked about earlier what it might mean symbolically, right? It kind of symbolizes... Uh, rest or a destination or telos or purpose or whatever you want to call it. Um, but he's implying that your life has a destination, right? And then he calls that destination Vienna. Is he saying there's some destination you can arrive at in your actual life? Is Vienna death? Is Vienna retirement? Like practically, what what is he saying Vienna is? Or what do we think Vienna is? Well, maybe it's a moving target, I guess. Different you know? for different people. Well, I mean, like, yeah, it's it it waits it it's waiting for you, mm -hmm. which means that it's always waiting for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess it is a deliberately vague city so that it can be the thing that it can, it can mean a lot of things to to different people. Yeah. Um, well, I think that in Christianity, 
we're told to be like Christ. Uh, Jesus says, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. And we can hear that and go, yeah, right. That'll never happen. (laughs) I can't do that. But also it's a command, right? That's not optional. Um, And so you have to try. And that's that's not a moving target, right? Mm -hmm. Being perfect as my heavenly father is perfect is a standard. And it's probably the least pliable standard that there is, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same. It's always been the same. And it's simultaneously something that we can't reach and yet we are commanded to reach. Um, I think maybe there's a parallel there that he says, Vienna waits for you. And like you said, that implies that Vienna is unmoving. Vienna is a fixed point. A still point in the turning world. Yes. Yeah. As T.S. Eliot would say. And that you can't, you maybe can't arrive there because arriving isn't a thing. And yet, because Vienna is waiting for you, that implies that you do, you do get there. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's not moving. It's not a moving target. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can and you will, but also you can't. So actually, I think that it might be wrong to think that C is Vienna is subject to interpretation precisely because of what you were saying earlier about his dad. <gasps> his father. Because it's a place that he went. So actually, maybe we've just been like shooting in the dark here. Like, oh, it could be anything when obviously he was writing this. It's literally just Vienna. <laughs> it's literally because that's where his dad went. So yeah. that's why he chose Vienna. Why yeah. have we not been talking about this? <laughs> well, because I wanted to save it till the end. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think in terms of interpretations of how the song is sort of about his father. Um, I think for sure one way of looking at it is that his Vienna is like a representation of relationship with his father, a relationship with his family. Um, That Vienna, because that's where his dad went and where his dad is, then that means healing for them, like for their relationship. And so Vienna is like, broken things being made whole, family being made whole, and that that's something that he may not be at now, but that Vienna, he he's expressing confidence that you get there eventually. I don't know, does that sound reasonable? I mean, I guess that's what, I mean, it has to be what he means, at least one of the things that he means. And maybe Vienna waits for you is also Vienna maybe even itself in the process of a place of healing and reconciliation or a thing that's in process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and the fact that if his dad, if his dad had taken this message to heart, if his dad had realized Vienna waits for you, you... Yeah, like, maybe that's why he went there is because he thought that it wasn't going to wait for him. Yeah. Actually, I like that. Let's go with that. That's the reason why, that's the whole idea. Maybe that is it. Maybe it is about his Maybe dad. Maybe is. he's calling his dad a crazy child. Yep. That could be. That could well, because he's he's talking to his father's younger self, right? Yeah. Because his father left when they were when he was young, mm-hmm. and so he's saying like, "You don't know yet, but the most important things in your life are actually your family mm-hmm. and me. I'm more important than Vienna." Mm-hmm. So so it's like I gotta get to Vienna. I gotta get to Vienna now. Because- Vienna waits for you. No, it's like, it's okay. It'll still be there. You could still raise us, but you didn't. We just cracked the code of Vienna by Billy Joel. Okay. Thanks for listening.
whoever. Follow us on Instagram. You've been listening to Unreliable Narrators, a Mars Hill podcast. Unreliable Narrators is an original podcast produced by Stoa alumni. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever podcasts can be found. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit our website at unreliablenarratorspodcast.wordpress.com. Check out our Instagram at unreliablenarratorspodcast or email us at unreliablenarratorstoa at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. This podcast is produced by Raymond Dokapil and Sophie Klomperens, and our theme music is No New Words by Caleb Klomperens. In our next episode, we'll be discussing Paralandra, the second volume in C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Until then, friends, Vienna waits for you. I know you can see something inside the one part of me that I cannot hide. And maybe it's true that nothing is new, but I can see so much more in you. Starting a whole startup called something where we make something and sell it to something. You're way quieter than me. That's I'm better. gonna shake the dust off of my feet of this stinker, crummy little town, town and I'm gonna, gonna see the world. Wait. What do you want? You want the moon? I can't do the <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. You, you want the want, moon? You want the moon? Come Mary. on. Mary. Let me. Mary. 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 <laughs> Mary. <laughs>